Cheers, y'all. Well, 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 well. Oh, man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine uh, radio program and podcast known internationally as the world-famous Smoking and Toasting. That well, well brought all the boys to the yard. Uh, (laughs) That's a great reference, man. I love that. I was was inspired, actually. I was just flipping through uh, YouTube this last last week, and and, um, a, a while back... Um, Philip Phillips, who's a pop artist, singer, songwriter, mm-hmm. he was on American Idol. And a while back, he released his second album. Didn't have nearly as big a hits on it as his first one did, but my wife started playing it a lot around the house. And we just love it. We listen to it all the time. It's really great songwriting, really, you know, really thoughtful lyrics. And so during this week, I happened to look back at, um, uh, at YouTube and I saw. A, a clip of when he originally auditioned for American Idol, which I virtually never watch. I bet I've right, seen about, right. not including this clip, I bet I've seen about 10 minutes of American Idol across I've watched all a couple of the clips, yeah. Yeah. and uh, I had a, a guy I know, John Fox, was on there for about a minute. That okay. was pretty interesting, so I watched that. So I watched this Philip Phillips audition clip. It was when he first tried out for the show. And uh, at one point... He hit a note. He's just singing in front of the four judges or whatever. At one point, he hit a note and just held it, like, forever. And I was like, okay, i got to try to go a little longer on the well well this week. Just to, <laughs> I was, so it's like when Bugs Bunny inspired. is conducting and he holds yeah, up and he the holds glove up the and then he takes the hand <laughs> out of it. And stays that's up. great. You know, I, I think that there is an entire uh, generation of people growing up that don't have the appreciation for Bugs Bunny that people of and the, our generation and the music does. Although the Bugs Bunny, although there is a new Space Jam coming out with LeBron. Remember the Space Jam with Michael Jordan that came out in the eighties, nineties, whenever it I was. Do. There's a new one coming out with Le, like a sequel with LeBron. So maybe people will, uh, younger people will discover. It's the possible. I don't know that I ever Looney watched Tunes the characters. whole first one. It's you know, it's cute. It's the animation in it is great. Right. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, welcome to the show. We are thrilled to be here to talk about not only Philip Phillips and and uh, Bugs Bunny, <laughs> uh, but also to talk about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. It's show number two hundred and seventeen. We'll be talking about the cigars of the year. Guess what? The today, and I haven't even looked yet. We'll look during the show because it's something we'll be talking about. But today is when Cigar Aficionado announces their number one cigar of the year. All right, now it's been driving me a little crazy because I've been ignoring all of those like okay. cigars of the year yep, yep, things yep. right now because I've been waiting to see what happens on this show. So what they did is they have this weird release schedule. They first released like number ten, nine, eight, and then they did. 765 and so on and finally today they release number one and then once they do that they go back and release like 20 through 10 which is kind of a weird way to do it but that's that's, weird that's that's what they're doing so we will look and i'll be we'll both be surprised because i don't know yet what it is so awesome looking forward to that and don't give it away please in the show notes uh until we get there um also we will be trying some excellent stuff uh to to taste what i want got today well i want to first let you know that we're brought to you by mycigarshirts.com that place is awesome excellent cigar uh lover shirts 
sweatshirts, T-shirts, hoodies, all available on the web. The the T-shirts start at under twenty bucks, and they're great sort of snarky. You know what I like for cigar lovers about that too is uh, when you go on to mycigarshirts.com. Yeah, it's very easy to navigate. Well, uh, there's yeah, no yeah. questions no. about it. It's super simple. Now it's not the most elaborate site, but man, it's easy to get around. Well, I've been on a few sites recently in the last little while that. You can't find stuff. They have so much stuff, it's hard to figure out where they're going. Well, the thing about online is, shopping yeah. is it, it's got to be simple, because I will give up. Yeah. If it's if it's I'll easier to go to a store yeah, yeah. <laughs> than to drive to the store than to do it online, <laughs> I'll give up. So, no, they've, they've got it down at MyCigarShirts.com, and they've got a lot of great stuff. So uh, they are a supporter of the program, and so we ask you to support them, MyCigarShirts.com, because... Cigars. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so on the show today, Ian, we will be uh, trying, I think, some very interesting beers. Or they, they sound interesting anyway. Uh, Great Notion Brewing, which you're probably familiar with, mm-hmm. uh, out of Portland, Oregon. And Lowercase Brewing from Seattle, Washington, teamed up on a dry-hopped American Pilsner that we'll be trying. So a lot that of sounds fun. I, I think that lowercase is kind of known for their pilsner mm-hmm. and uh, great notions kind of known as being the hoppy I've never heard ideas. of uh, lowercase but yeah, I like right. the I like, you know that reminds me of that 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 song ever since I was a lowercase G. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's good. That's good. You're dropping some good song <laughs> references can't help on the show. It. I don't know I'm fired today. This is good. Uh, we are both familiar with Anchorage Brewing Company oh, from yeah. Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, they have a, a new IPA that I've gotten uh, our hands on here uh, called Chomp the Wicked. Chomp the Wicked. It's an IPA with pineapple. So we'll, oh, interesting. Uh, we'll okay. look forward to trying that. And then from Maine and Mill Brewing Company, which I was not I familiar with. don't know with, that one at all. They're out of Festus, Missouri. And when I lived in St. Louis, Festus is a, a kind of a suburb of St. Louis. Uh, when I lived in St. Louis, Festus was always the place you made jokes about. Like, oh. like that's where the rednecks live kind of, kind of jokes. You know what <laughs> gotcha. I mean? Uh, but apparently, Festus is the home to a pretty robust uh, craft brewing company called Maine and Mill Brewing Company. Nice. And we'll be trying their Lil Jaforia Fat Elvis. It's a session fat stout. Elvis. And I believe that the reason it's Fat Elvis is because it has peanut butter and banana in the in the stout. <laughs> that sounds so, awesome. So we'll be looking forward to uh, yeah. that. Yeah, Lil Jaforia. So they managed to get a Lil in there, like as if they were a rapper. Uh huh. And then they went with uh, you know Fat Elvis. Fat Elvis. I, I'm trying to figure out why. Like if I were, of course I can't rap, but if I could, and I were going to have a recording, you know, you know, plan, I don't think I would call myself Lil something. That seems like. Why would you want to be Lil? There's there's an artist, huge hits out there. Lil Lil Baby, who would want to Lil be known baby. as Lil Baby? <laughs> yeah, apparently it works for him. He's uh, he's racking up the hits, but uh, there's quite a few anyway. Lils, isn't there? Lils, no, yeah. sorry, not Littles. Well, Lils. there's Lil Wayne and and Lil John, you know, uh, Lil John, Lil John. Yeah, I, I like Lil John. He's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's just like so in your face. You, you have to love him. Um, then Ian, we have a, an interesting spirit today, which I think the bottle is so heavy that it has. Uh, it has made Mr. Twirly Gig malfunction I think, because I, Mr. Twirly Gig has stopped twirly gigging. I think we finally ran out of batteries <laughs> on Mr. Twirly You realize how long has Mr. Twirly Gig been a part oh, of the show? a couple years now. I don't think we've ever put batteries in him. Well, I, I think, think I may have put batteries in him when I got it. Either we uh, ran the batteries down or the weight of today's uh, spirit may have crushed the me- me- mechanism inside that's, Mr. Twirly Gig. But, that's uh, pretty heavy. Uh, uh, it's a Dripping Springs artisanal gin. And uh, we came by it 
in a really interesting way because my wife and I love Dripping Springs vodka. Uh, I make mm -hmm. vodka martinis at home. My wife loves them. Um, and we generally buy Dripping Springs. We, we oh, that's that's my know, vodka go-to yeah, choice. We like Tito's and we like uh, um, you know Deep Eddy and several others. But Dripping Springs the one we usually go for. And uh, my wife just tucked into a corner store because she knew we were low on vodka. And she grabbed that, not realizing it was gin. Uh, so um, I thought, hey, I'll take it. We'll uh, we'll try it out on the show. So Dripping Springs, out of Dripping Springs, Texas, a really, really good distiller of vodka, as, as you yeah, said. Yeah, their, their vodka is uh, – and if you're a Tito's fan, uh, that's fine. Um, Tito's uh, is great. I Tito's, love Tito's. Tito's is fine for mixers and stuff, but no one drinks Tito's straight. Like, it's just mad. Um, Dripping Springs, on the other hand, yeah. is fine, neat. It's fine with ice, and it's great mixing. And I know you don't do vodka martinis because you do gin, but well, I, makes... I like martinis. I don't like big vodka uh, shots. I, I understand. I knew you were going to go there. That's okay. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll accept it. Uh, but you know, there's really there's really very few things we enjoy more at home than just that ice cold, dirty martini made with uh, dripping spring vodka. Well, you so. notice that people drink uh, vodka martinis always call them vodka martinis. Yes, and people who drink um, Martinis that are made with gin call them martinis. Yes, I, I knew yes. You were, I knew you would go there. Thank yeah. you. It's it's all right. It's all right. I can handle it. I can handle it. I realize I'm on the you know uh, the less respected side of that. That's curve. okay. My little brother's going to listen to this and he's going to cringe a little bit too because he's a very he, vodka. He's a very fan. vodka martini yeah. fan. Okay. Well, they, you know, listen, they're both good. We still are going to do. We haven't done it yet. We still are going to do on this show a vodka martini versus gin martini challenge. But we got to get. The right bartenders for each. We one. got one of them. We need, I know we Chris, need one more. I know Chris Morris mm -hmm. is in. Yeah, we just need. If uh, anybody knows a great uh, vodka martini maker in the city of Houston, please uh, please let them know. Or or if they'd be willing to travel to Houston for oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, for the show. So anyway, welcome to show number two hundred and seventeen. We will be talking cigars of the year. There's a couple of things going on that we got to talk about, including. A Chicago cigar store that has gone completely political. Uh, so we'll update you on that and tell you what we think about that. Um, and then uh, how drinking changed in 2020. A lot of things changed in 2020 because of the pandemic and everything else that was going on. And drinking certainly changed yes. as well. So we have a really interesting thing we can look at uh, that gives us some facts and statistics about how drinking changed. We'll go over the cigars of the year, of course, at least what we have uh, for, uh, f for, for now. And then brewers, craft brewers have picked their five favorites of the year for 2020. So I always like it when brewers pick because, you know, these guys, you know, these guys get quite a bit of, uh, you know, quite a bit of expertise to their palate. There's always a a big difference in popular opinion and in inside the industry opinion, mm -hmm. and, and occasionally they coincide. Yes, yes, but, but it's it's interesting to see. Sometimes you'll get something from these, uh, you know, these uh, guys that actually are in the business of crafting beer. That will surprise you, the ones that mm -hmm. they pick. That, that, so, so that's why that should be a, uh, an interesting list. We got lists all over the place, so we're, we're pretty lists excited. Lists of lists. Yeah, we, we really do. We got to make a list of the lists. So, uh, so it's been we a pretty. We even have a list requisition list. Yeah, that's right. That works, you know. <laughs> um, so we have had a pretty interesting week here in Houston, weather-wise. We've had what we call winter, mm -hmm. which is when it gets into the 40s. That was a couple days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and today's actually beautiful. Sorry to those oh, of you who are Oh, it is 70 degrees in. outside. Yeah, it's beautiful. And beautiful sunshiny with 
Can you even see a cloud out there? I don't see one from the window where I'm looking. Yeah, so it's it's really nice. So uh, so it has uh, made you know because being really cold outside makes going outdoors to smoke a bit more of a challenge. Mm -hmm. But I'm assuming that at some point, in some way, you had a chance to smoke something interesting. So I have a I have a carport. Um. Kind of thing and a chimney. The wind kind of blows straight through, but I do have a chimney if you stand close enough to it. Mm -hmm. um, but I didn't go there. Uh, well, I did. That, I did that earlier this week, but I actually went up to Casa this morning to pick out a cigar, and uh, what I picked out was a um, an Onyx. Oh, I haven't had an Onyx Nicaragua. in a long time. I haven't either, and they had it on the end cap, and. Uh, you know, they make it easy for me because they put great stuff on the end cap. Sometimes <laughs> they put the new stuff go, that's out. Yeah, hey. it's like, and then I know in the next week they're going to have all the like the uh, top tens, the top on the ones new, from on yeah, the sure. uh, yeah. end cap, and uh, and then of course number one and number two will be sold out because that's what happens every time. <laughs> yes. But that's okay. I went in there and I saw this Onyx and it has a busy label on it. Oh, really? Good. Yeah, it's the got, Onyx that got, I remember had a very simple label. It's got three labels on it. Oh, wow. Okay, it's got the Onyx that, yeah. label and then below that it has another band um, that says uh, Bold Nicaragua and then mm -hmm. it has a footer below that. Now, this cigar is only five inches long so there's about, a, <laughs> about an a inch, inch total of, tobacco of actual showing. tobacco real estate showing. <laughs> oh, yeah, I see this there in the pits. Yeah, yeah. so this is a uh, this is a Mexican San Andreas wrapper, uh, a Nicaraguan binder, Nicaraguan filler. The appearance dark brown wrapper, uh, dark brown covered with three wrappers, shiny silver, kind of busy is what I wrote down. Overall smooth with some veins, very firm feel all the way down. Pre light sniff, chocolate like brownies, uh, coffee, leather, pepper, and some sweetness cutting through, like kind of a creamy sweetness thing going on. Pre-light draw, I used a clip, effortless draw, sweet, sweet taste on the lips, sweet coffee, mocha, hints of barnyard and earth, and a little pepper in the background. Nice. Uh, yeah, this is this thing smelled great. Like, that. Mm -hmm. my mouth was watering, just putting it, you know, just trying it. The um, initial light blast of tangy Nicaraguan pepper. <clears throat> I mean, absolute blast of it. It's wonderful, though. The, uh, uh, the, the, uh, Strong, sweet coffee and oaky dryness right there off the top. Slightly dank, like fermented hay a little bit in the background. Earth and peppery retro hail. And that's all just the initial blast, the initial light of this cigar. That's that's great. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you often get that blast of pepper with the Nicaraguan yes. uh, tobacco. But to have that much else going on besides yes. a lot just of, the pepper blast, a lot is of times great. that's that's the predominant flavor, and you don't get a whole lot else until but it kind of settles lot, down. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. By the first third of this, uh, bold is the correct word for this cigar. It is big. This is not uh, uh, Fisher Price, my first cigar. <laughs> yeah. Do not buy this if you really, really love mild cigars and don't like you know fuller flavors. This is a big. Big full flavor cigar. Bold is the name. Uh, it's bold yet complex, not overwhelming though, oddly enough. The pepper is big on the palate yet sweet and creamy instead of biting. It doesn't have that harshness to it that you get, but it's a huge amount of pepper. Um, the uh, coffee and bitter chocolate follows with a woody finish and a hint of leather. It was really, really uh, uh, Outstanding, delicious peppery tingle on a retro hail, solid ash, perfect burn. This thing burned like a laser, nice, like all the way down. If you guys are watching the pictures, you'll see. Uh, the second third of this oaky dryness becomes more prevalent. Uh, brown, uh, oaky dryness, like you get in a, like a cab, like that dry kind of uh, um, woody flavor, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, let's see, brownie chocolateiness intertwined with rich earth and pepper abound with each puff. 
See, I was getting. You wrote abound in abound, your notes, yes. didn't you? <laughs> <I> did. <laughs> Tangy leather sneaks in the finish, complementing the pepper notes. Retro hail becomes spicier. Solid ash again. Perfect, Perfect burn. burn. This thing burned like a laser. The last third of the cigar, pepper spice ramps up to an impressive boldness. It was already bold to begin with. Yeah. This cigar was huge. It went from full to full plus. It went to full <laughs> to fullerer. Yeah. Right, yes. got it. <laughs> I just invented that More word. fullerer. More fullerer. Um, yeah, so uh, it, it, it ramped up to that impressive boldness while still retaining the coffee and chocolate sweetness that has been prevalent throughout. Leathery and oaky notes finish the palate with a spicy tingle, solid ash, perfect burn. Um, this might be my favorite cigar of the year. I gave it a six and a half. Ooh. At a nine dollar price range. A, so you said it might be your favorite cigar of the year. You you just mean since New Year's of yes. what you've tried? Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, it, yeah, the, it's, it's, it's been a little bit. You yeah. Know? All right. So, your, fa- your favorite cigar so far? So far, yeah. Right. And this was going to stay on my radar at a six and a half at nine dollars cigar. Bucks, That's yeah. if I paid. And this was it's not small. It's it's not a big cigar. It's five by uh, fifty. So it's, it wasn't even a big cigar. And, I would have paid you know three dollars more for this and been just and fine been with the happy. flavor profile. So very nice, and uh, you guys of course know that the price to quality index that we use here on the show when we're talking about cigars is uh, basically based on five being you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. If it's above a five, it means you wouldn't have been upset had you paid more. Doesn't mean you want mm-hmm. to. It just means you wouldn't have been upset if it had been a uh, what a ten eleven dollar cigar. Yeah, yeah, nice. Well, I highly recommend this. <laughs> if you like big bold cigars, this one is. Knocks it out the park. I had a pretty bold one this week, too. Um, I smoked the Arturo Fuente Reserva Extra Viejo Limitada Shark, number 77. Okay. That is a mouthful. That is a lot. Uh, But this is a difficult cigar to find, and I want to mention that it was a gift at Christmas from my mom-in-law. And she wanted to buy me something that she knew that I would really like for, um, uh, for Christmas, and so when she got to town, my wife and her went shopping, and my wife took her to Casa. And nice. I believe it was Ken Wen that recommended to her the Arturo Fuente Reserva Extra Viejo Limitada Shark Number 77. Because I don't think she would have known. That's funny, because while I was own. in there today, I yeah. bought one of the Extra Viejos. Not the Shark Limitada, but yeah. I did buy one of the Extra Viejos because well, they're so good. Yeah, well, this, this is really a very unusual uh, cigar. So big thanks to... Mom and big thanks to Ken and the folks at Casa because mm-hmm. uh, this one I'll just I'll let it out of the bag now. The cigar was fantastic. Nice. So um, the Shark is a very unusual cigar. It's a torpedo with a perfecto tip, but it's round other than the pointed tip at the head. But then as it tapers down to the foot, it becomes completely box pressed into a perfect square. Interesting. Now you've seen you know box press cigars that'll have just the little rounded tip, but right. they're still square beyond all, the way, it, all right. the way up to it. Yeah, this one it's not the the last inch of the cigar completely round. So, so they but box by the time pressed it gets to the foot, only one part of the cigar, and it seemed to, and it wasn't just like there was a line. It gradually became how cool becomes box pressed as it goes down, which you can see uh, in in some of the pictures. So uh, I can only guess. That the top level rollers at Fuente are the ones assigned to this cigar because that has to be harder, you know. Yeah, has to be, uh, especially to get it right. Uh, it's blended at Tabacalera Fuente in the Dominican Republic, and these are not impossible to find, but they're not easy to find either. The guys at uh, at Casa directed her right to 
the stat the stash that they had on hand at the time, and I am the lucky recipient. Uh, it's wrapped in a dark Maduro wrapper leaf. Uh, it smells very woodsy and chocolatey on the pre-light. I used a pair of cigar scissors, snipped the tip off of the stick, and then lit her up. And for the second week in a row, I got complexity and nuance right off the bat. Nice. I was so excited about that last week because so many cigars get that you know that initial blast and then they calm down like you were talking right. about uh, this one was nuanced and complex from the very uh, very beginning it didn't have the early pepper blast uh, but it did have notes of cocoa and cinnamon and aged wood that kind of kicked in right away very um, uh, very dense in a in a good way uh, the mixture of flavors. Um, the first inch of the cigar was wonderful, did not start off slow. A deep earth aroma on the retrohale and a wonderful citrusy tang on the tongue from almost the beginning of the cigar. By the second third, the wood flavors had become a little more prominent. The chocolate aromas shifted a bit. Either that or I did a better job of identifying them. They became a little more like caramel and a little mm. less like cocoa. Um, and then it had great lime zest notes on the tongue. That continued throughout the whole cigar. Final third, uh, more wood. The earthiness kind of returned from the beginning. And the blend of chocolate and caramel added a really nice sweetness to the finish. I have no idea how you get a cigar that's shaped like this to burn straight. But they did. Yeah, well. uh, it wasn't perfect, uh, but it was very well constructed. Fuente really always does very well yeah. uh, uh, constructed cigars. It's a real surprise if you get a Fuente that burns crooked. Yeah, it's hard to complain or, about right, their construction. Exactly. Uh, clearly, though, they had their A-team working on the shark, which is pretty cool. Uh, bottom line, I loved this fool. cigar. Uh, thanks, Mom, for the awesome gift, and thank you, Casa de Monte Cristo, for steering her in this direction. It's a $17 cigar. Woo! Price to quality, six. Wow. It was that good. It wow. was that good. If it had been a $20 cigar, I would have felt like it lived up to the $20. And I don't say that much with cigars that mm -hmm. are, because I generally smoke in the $8 range mm -hmm. is what my sort of normal is. So a lot of times when I'm smoking something that's over $10, I'm like, well, this is good, but it's not that much better than what. I normally smoke that's more like eight bucks. So right. uh, this one, however, big time. Highly recommended. Arturo Fuente Reserva Extra Viejo Limitada Shark number 77. Mm. If you can find it, buy it, buy more than one, you will thank me uh, for it. Okay, a lot to do, and we want to get to it in our next segment. We'll start with a little bit of uh, of tasting. I want to mention some of the uh, some of the comments we're getting on the uh, show notes. And, uh, of course, we have, uh, I didn't mention this, but we will have drinking news today. Our drinking news headline, maybe this is where crop circles come from. <laughs> we'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting, and uh, we'll be right back. Love that. I'm thinking that's okay. I'm thinking that, uh, yeah, we can do that, but I'm thinking what we can start doing is uh, start putting. Welcome back. It is Smokin' and Toastin'. We are all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. Check them out online. All kinds of cool clothing accessories for the cigar lover, including, by the way, uh, my favorite... Um, Mask 
for uh, my favorite COVID mask that I've seen, which says, uh, as soon as I take this off, I'm having a cigar. Mm-hmm. I got one of those. I love wearing that out. People kind of look at me funny, you know, but uh, I'm like, hey, at least I'm wearing a mask. Right. Yeah, right. Um, so welcome back to the show. A couple of great uh, <laughs> pieces of information on the show notes. Uh, Bruce Stark, uh, our, our buddy, uh, who's always here with us. Great to see you, Bruce. Says uh, we need to observe a moment of silence for Mr. Torley Gig. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's. Uh, I don't know whether we whether we ran the batteries out or not, but yeah, like I you think, said, I think it's a battery thing. Yeah. Uh, Liliana, our uh, our tequila expert here on the show, uh, is watching and listening. She says, "Guys, did you know that Scheinerbach makes a seasonal beer with the prickly pear cactus?" Now she is all about cactus. She Liliana is an She's, expert at. A lot of different things. Two of them are tequila and cacti. Yes. And uh, so she's, uh, so, and I am aware, I've had that beer. It's very interesting. It's not my favorite Shiner, but I love. I love getting one every year when it comes it's out. It's been yeah, it's been popular <clears throat> enough to keep coming back too. Right, right. I've, I've had a few of them. And it has an interesting sweetness to it. And you it. gotta give Shiner credit for doing something that interesting and that mm-hmm. kind of distinctly Texas Southwestern, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, pretty cool. So all right, Ian, question for you. When it comes to, let let's say you have bought the cigar aficionado uh, uh, issue that has the top cigars of the year. Okay, I have bought the cigar aficionado issue that has the top cigars of the year. And you open it to the article. Okay. Do you start reading at twenty five and build your suspense I as you go up? I kind of enjoy the anticipation. Or do you look at number one first and then go back and I read? kind of enjoy, enjoy the anticipation, so I will generally start from the bottom of the list and go up. Alright, so I'm going to give you the top ten. And we'll start at number ten and work our way All right. up. Alright. Um, since, since you like the anticipation. That's generally the way I do it, but I wonder is it burying the lead, you know? Uh, at number ten, and, and we can go back and look for details on these later, but at number ten... Uh, and this is the first time I think I've seen this brand ever on one of the year-end lists. Henry Clay Warhawk Corona. Yeah. Are you familiar with the Warhawk? I uh, did a review on that last year. Oh, that's right. Yeah. You sure did. Yeah, and I believe you, good. you uh, really, really liked it. Basically, they say about this, don't let the light-colored band fool you. True. It is not a, uh, a mild cigar. Right. All right. So... At number nine, a cigar we've talked about a lot. It made one of the other lists we've already gone through, uh, and it's getting a lot of accolades. The Rocky Patel number six. Yes. Corona. That's the one with that big long I think we number both, six on uh, it. Uh, reviewed that one. I'm last trying to remember year. if I did or not. I think I've got you one. Did. I've got one sitting in the humidor, and I was trying to save it just in case I hadn't reviewed it. But I have to go I back through back notes. and look. Uh, at number eight, the Oliva Siri V or Siri five Melanio. Churchill. Yeah. That is a great cigar. That whole Melanio series. It's, it's been around yeah. for a while, and so it's it's so great to see it still kicking into mm-hmm. a top ten list of cigars of the year. At number seven, I have not had this, the Alec and Bradley Gatekeeper Robusto. Now, this is obviously from Alec Bradley, but it's identified a little differently as Alec and Bradley. I don't know that one. Mm, I don't either. It's got a uh, sort of a Julius Caesar looking uh, face on the cigar band, huh. and uh, it looks it looks quite delicious in the photo in Cigar Aficionado. At number six, the Hoya de Nicaragua Numero Uno Numero Uno La Ambassador. I have not had this. I haven't cigar. had that either. Blue band. Uh, I've had a few of the new Hoyas that have mm-hmm. come out since Drew Estate uh, took them over, and they've been good. At number five. 
The Punch, Short de Punch. This is a Cuban cigar. Uh, the other cigars we've talked about so far on the list have not been Cubans. Mm, I haven't had this one. But at number five, The Punch, Short de Punch. At number four, the La Mission, La, I, I never can say this word, L'Altier, L'Altier, L apostrophe A-T-E, L-I-E-R, L'Altier, uh, 1959. It is a La Mission cigar. It's a My Father is what it is. Gotcha. So this is my father's uh, entry into it. Uh, it is, uh, th- this is what they say. They say, while most serious cigar smokers are well aware of Tatuaje, fewer know that the brand owner Pete Johnson has an experimental arm called Latier, where he produces less traditional, more offbeat products. Uh, from that subsidiary came this one, a spinoff from the core Latier line. So it is a uh, Pete Johnson of Tatuaje did the blend, and it was made in the factory at My Father's Cigars. Nice. So uh, that was number four. At number three, the Padron 1964 Anniversary Series Hermoso. And so this is uh, Padron almost always has one in the top ten. I haven't had that Hermoso. Okay, we're gonna have to uh, do some do some cigar mm-hmm. buying here, my friend. Uh, and number two, the Fuente Fuente Opus X Double Robusto. Oh yeah, great cigar. Opus X, very so expensive. Good. Never disappointing, but very expensive. Very expensive. Yeah, very expensive. In fact, I wonder if it says just here in the article. Yeah, uh, well, it's, you know what? It's seventeen dollars. Seventeen oh five is the listed. Retail price for it, okay. So, because it's a robusto, so that's that's a way to get an Opus X for under twenty bucks. I was gonna say I always think of Opus X as like twenty three, twenty five. Yes, exactly. And so I'm uh, I may have to put that on the short list to get one of those again. All right, do we have a tinny electronic drum roll? Uh, let's see here, tinny electronic drum roll coming right up. Uh, the number one cigar of the year from Cigar Aficionado for the second. Time in the last three years, the number one spot goes to E.P. Carrillo. Wow. The E.P. Carrillo Pledge Prequel, which you and I both had because our buddy Alan Denny yes, brought that us is one. A great cigar. Yeah. So you remember he brought some cigars when we went mm-hmm. to see uh, Bill Burr. Yeah. So during lockdown, one of the venues here in Houston that had an out- has a big outdoor space, they sectioned it off. And you could buy like a section. A section, yes. right? You 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 so had to buy the whole section. Sold six people. Yeah, you had to buy the whole section. So if you were going by yourself, you were paying for six tickets, basically. Uh, so we got together, Ian and his wife, uh, Alan Denny and his wife, and my wife and I. We all went. We split the ticket price, and uh, so we were outdoors waiting for Bill Burr to come on, and Alan passes out uh, the E.P. Carrillo Pledge uh, prequel cigars. It was a little robusto. And man, I enjoyed that. Cigar. That's so great, and yeah. that's the one that uh, if the band is signed, mm-hmm. you win the. Oh humidor. right, that's right. Yeah, and yeah. none of ours were signed. We all, uh, we all checked. They say at first glance it looks just kind of like another, you know, dark box press cigar fighting for shelf space at your local retailer. But there's a story behind this that started, they say, in 2014 when Ernesto Perez Carrillo released another brand called La Historia. Yeah, and it was a tribute to his family, one of the finest cigars he'd released up to that point one particular size came very close to making cigar of the year was ranked the number two smoke of 2014 uh at that time they did not know at cigar aficionado that la historia was part one in what came to be 
a trilogy. Part two was the encore, mm -hmm. which did make number one two years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was the encore Majestic in 2018. It was named the Cigar of the Year. So um, Pledge went on sale in September. May have slipped through the cracks for some people because of uh, you know the pandemic and what have you. But it's the, it won't slip through the cracks now. No. It'll just be you won't be able to find, to find them, one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but congratulations to uh, the folks at EP Carrillo who really make great cigars. Mm -hmm. I mean, they really do. Uh, but congratulations to them for landing the number one spot. So we can go back and talk about these if you want. But I thought I thought we should go through the list. I I, I was afraid once I pulled the list up, and like boom, I saw what it was. So I was like, okay, how am I gonna? Keep this quiet for the rest of the show. So, so I figured might as well. So, so Ian, um, a lot of these we have tried, several that we haven't, mm -hmm. so some things to put on the list. And I suspect that a lot of people do that, that when the list comes out, they go, oh, I haven't tried that one and that one and that one. Yeah. I'm going to uh, see if I can find those. So I'm really interested in uh, this. You know, I, I find it... I find it encouraging on the list that the uh, that the Oliva Milano made it on there. The mm -hmm. Milano Churchill made it on there because that is not a new cigar. No, it's not. Um, but it's a great cigar. That whole Milano line. I love the Milano uh, Maduros as well. They're so good. And the Siri V, in the first place, is a great cigar. You know what I find interesting is um, for years um, when I first started reading Cigar Aficionado, I would look at their listings and it used to actually kind of like frustrate me. Because the top cigars were all Cuban. So I was like, yeah. well, that's great, but I them. can't get those yeah, yeah. unless I have some sort of special hookup. And then you don't even know if they're real and all of that. And it's become, obviously, much more difficult to get them again with the latest government restrictions. But only one cigar out of the top ten was Cuban this year. Well, I think – so. We kind of went through this with with beer. Remember when you talk to people in the uh, early '90s, late '80s, early '90s? Yeah, you talk about beer, and they're like the only good beer you can get is in Europe and Germany, especially. Right, right, yeah. From that's not true. Right, right. I mean, especially not true now. But American craft beer has revolutionized the entire world. And in fact, Europe is now beer. Europe is now emulating American yes, craft brewers. Yes. yes. And it's awesome, and, 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 and I, there's no snideness to that. No, That's no. incredibly cool. We've taken a traditional, um, a traditional arena where uh, a lot of the European beers were all very uh, stuck in tradition. Mm -hmm. This is what we make. This is how we make it. This is yes. what we always do, and this is the way it's always been done. And we've broken that mold and innovated and force the entire industry to do it. And I think that's amazing. I think that's happening in cigars because you go back 15 years ago, what are the best cigars? Cubans. Mm -hmm. Well, Cubans make great cigars. They also make bad cigars. Yeah. And there's a lot of counterfeits out there, so yes. it's hard to tell what's what. It is. But, um, but at the same time, I think the industry is now having enough of a bloom, enough of a push, enough of a renaissance mm -hmm. to where you're – you're going to have a hard time buying bad cigars if you have any idea what you're looking for. And if you don't, by the way, ask the guys at the shop. Yeah. You know, because they will help you. Now, I realize that sometimes when you go online, like if you go on Cigars International, you would believe that every single cigar they sell is the greatest cigar ever from the yes. write-ups. Yes. So you so you may have to look a little further, you know, read some reviews, look go on half wheel, see if they've reviewed it or well, look look back at our shows, see if we had one. Here's the difference. When you're dealing with with okay, Cigars International and, and this is not a knock against them by any means, but when you're dealing with someone who's just in the industry for selling cigars, mm -hmm. okay? Every cigar is amazing. Yeah. And golden and fantastic and worth you buying. When you go into a shop and you talk to the proprietor 
at that shop, they're not trying to just sell you a cigar. They want you to come back and buy more right. cigars. They want you to be a so regular customer. So they want to customer. make sure that yes. they help you get 100% cigars right. that match what you want to do. Look, so if you don't know anything about it, that's the place to go. Look at Ken Wen at Casa, who recommended to my mother-in-law. Yes. Who he could have sold her anything, right? Yes. And yeah. there's the, he could have, you know, there's thirty dollar David Austin. Right. You know. Right. Instead, he recommended something. Where she gave it to me, and I went, holy cow, this yes. is great. Yes. And he knew that I would know where she got it. Yes. And that I would be like, they totally steered her right. You know? And and so you're absolutely right. And and I'm a repeat customer of theirs, yes. as, as are you. So that is one of the greatest things about brick-and-mortar cigar yes. shops. And, Ian, I'm excited for us to get to the point during the year sometime here where you and I can get the uh, the COVID vaccine so we can get to the place where we can go back go and back be and in shows. more yes, shops yes. and talk to more of yes. the proprietors and, and hear them talk about because it's to me it's it's awesome hearing them talk about what they do. When we were in Honduras, there were so many cigar shop proprietors that were there with us on yes. that trip, and it was so much fun. Listening to them talk about their shops and what they sell and what they what they like yeah, to hit people all, to. And all shops have personalities too. Like you walk in and certain shops have a very more serious, austere personality. Some shops have a little more fun and jovial personality. One of the guys we went there with um, mm. owns Cigar Town out on the west side of uh, Houston, and That's his right. shop is funny because. There's just kind of a sense of humor running through the shop at all yes. time. Alan's shop is a little bit like that. Uh -huh. Casa de Monte Cristo is a little more friendly, and everyone wants to talk about sports right. and uh, and uh, and stuff like that. There's, I mean, every shop has their own. Stogies has that vibe of there's some like important business deals. Yeah, going down over yeah, it in definitely the has that business you know? <laughs> deal vibe going on. In there. I mean, so so it, it's awfully, and this brings me to something we'll talk about in the next segment. But a Chicago uh, cigar store has gone way political and i have a problem with it I, i'm not gonna say if i have i'm not saying i have a problem with their stance uh, i have a problem with them doing it at all and so we'll talk about that uh, as we get into uh, the next seg segment and we'll do our uh, we got to talk about it uh, um, segment i'm so. just pouring this beer and it smells good uh, uh, well yeah it it sounded great when you open it i know Crappy beers can sound good when you open so them too but this uh, is the great notion ooh, and ooh. lowercase uh brewing um, collaboration, dry hopped American Pilsner with Citra, Vic Secret, and Belma hops. So that's, first of all, Vic Secret, much more common in IPAs. Well, a lot of hops are, but you don't hear about a lot of Pilsners being hopped with this exotic an array of hops. Yeah. I mean, with Citra especially, you think you think uh, very much the very IPA much IPA and, and, and Vic especially. Secret for sure as well. But uh, um, any other interesting info on the can? It smells so good. It says the natural result when you collide Great Notions passion for hops with lowercase's love for lager. Welcome to Georgetown, Rumi, brewed and canned by the Lowercase Brewing Company. Ian. Is it as good as it? I mean, you, I got that you, silent stare. You gotta taste this beer. This is is this? Oh, that's oh 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 yeah. Oh, it keeps doing stuff. Yes, it does, doesn't it? And and it's like tangerine on the end. Right. So it's got a little bit of citrus and floral, the way an IPA does, but it doesn't have any of the sort of uh, hot bitter that you would expect from an IPA with the same kind of uh, no, hop this action is, going this on. This is what you, you know, uh, have you ever uh, been into a really really uh, awesome green apple? That crispness that you mm -hmm. get from that, that's what this finishes with. It reminds a me a sweet. little bit of, it, it doesn't have a traditional 
grapefruit taste. But just yesterday, I, I, my wife had picked up a grapefruit at the store that was just like perfect. And so uh, she peeled it for me because I hate peeling grapefruits. <laughs> and she's awesome. And left the peeled grapefruit sitting in a bowl for me. So I come out and get it. And I start peeling away even the membrane of, of each uh, oh, individual slice and putting just the pulp, chunks of the pulp, right, into another uh, bowl. And then I salted it and just picked them up and ate it. And it's it, it tastes like grapefruit, but it's so sweet that way. Without any of the, uh, you know, more sort of like sour elements uh -huh. of, the, of the skin, and I get a little bit of that actually, maybe because I just add it. But I, I get you a know, bit I, of that I've never tried that with a grapefruit. I, I will have to try that at some point. The key this is to me, the key the, is salt. The lingering finish on this it, it is like tangerine tart. Yes, tangerine. totally is. It, this is a very very pleasant. And almost, if you had told me this was an ale, I probably would have believed you. I want to be at a pub that serves this on tap. Oh, how great would that be? Like, that just, to me, would be amazing in a, in a big... So, I am assuming this was a limited release, because usually the collaborations mm -hmm. are. Uh, but boy, is it good. Now, if you are in the uh, Oregon and Washington area... You got to find some of this, and you may be able to find it other places too. But uh, great notion brewing, lowercase brewing. I think this is the first time we've had anything from lowercase. But it's interesting how they pointed out in the label that lowercase has a passion for uh, pilsners, the pilsners, yes, and and uh, great notion has a passion for you know crazy hop stuff. And so it's it's a really good collaboration, I have to say. If that was something. That I could find on the regular, I would buy that all the if time. If that came out anywhere close to here, I would be making space for it in my uh, mm -hmm. kegerator. Mm -hmm. Like, I would be buying mm -hmm. a Slim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. All right, I'll tell you what let's do. Let's enjoy a little more of this beer. Let's take a break. We're going to come back. We have uh, more beers to taste. We have um, something that we got to talk about, which is this Chicago um, cigar store uh, political thing. And uh, then before the show's over, we'll go back over this list of uh, cigars, and maybe you and I should pick out what one we're targeting for our next Cigar purchase. Yes. Yeah, that, so that'll be fun. So, yeah, it's interesting because we've already had number one. Yeah, yeah. And so, by the way, um, coming out in the next week, Cigar Aficionado will release their list from 20 to 10. That was the only the top 10 because that's right. the way they do it. So we'll bring that to you when we get it as well. Uh, you are listening to Smoking and Toasting, all about craft beer, fine cigars, and uh, great spirits. We'll be right back. Just to see them so Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. This is the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, Those and hand-rolled cigars. Show number 217. We're talking about the cigars of the year and trying some artisan gin. But before we get to that, Ian, I love uh, Anchorage Brewing. They are one of um, the most experimental uh, IPA breweries out there. And uh, they always have these... Wicked, crazy uh, artist designs Chomp. on their can. Chomp the Wicked is like the gnarliest wolf ever. Yeah, with does he have four multiple eyes? eyes. Yeah, four eyes there. So, and it's not because he's wearing glasses. He uh, he, he looks pretty mean and vicious, but it's an IPA <laughs> with pineapple. This, so, this will give you nightmares from the outside. Yeah, yeah, but they always have though. They always have like 
crazy-looking animals like that wolf, or they have like uh, uh, skeleton macabre-looking uh, yes. things on their cans. But it's always very intricate art. It's really a kind of a, a way that they, I guess, separate themselves from uh, the rest of the always, world in terms of I don't of know packaging. that I've ever had a beer from Anchorage that, that was less than outstanding. So. Yeah, we've had a number of them on the show, mostly IPAs, although we've had, if you remember, we had their... Um, uh, that one ale with Brettanomyces, remember, uh, recently from those guys? And it was just outstanding. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah, pretty pretty cool. I stuck pretty my cool finger brewery. in that one. I'm going to keep that okay. one. <laughs> I hope it wasn't a uh, fly. There was some sort of little floaty in there. I think it came out of the beer, I hope. Okay, let's hope so. Um, so, so this is a uh, not this, squeamish about that. This is an know. IPA with pineapple, and uh, these guys are from Anchorage, oh, Alaska. Wow. So, yeah, you can smell the pineapple right off. Oh, the top Oh, you really of can. That. It's it's very prominent on the nose. You're going to take the first sip of this, so I'll let you talk while I drink. All right. Yeah, this is this is basically pineapple juice. It's a pineapple bomb, isn't it? Yes, this yeah. is basically, and the mouthfeel is just huge. Yeah, it's it's definitely an IPA, but the pineapple almost overrules the uh, the the hops. So. For those of you who don't know what I mean by mouthfeel, uh, mouthfeel is is kind of exactly what it says. But I want you to think of like a thin mouthfeel of being like water. Right, water's yeah, water as a, as a basis for a thin mouthfeel. Yeah, a uh, some mouth things feel can be... be thinner. There's whiskeys that have a little bit thinner kind right. of mouthfeel than water. And then think of a real heavy mouthfeel, more like milk. Right, or hot chocolate, or, or yeah, yeah mm -hmm. hot chocolate. You know, milk-based kind of thing. This is closer to the hot chocolate side of mouthfeel. Now, it doesn't taste like chocolate at Nothing all. Nothing like it. This yeah. is or like high pulp orange juice. Mm -hmm, this has mm -hmm. very much that kind of mouthfeel to mm -hmm. it. It's just sort of a, a thickness, the viscosity of the liquid. Yes. Um, I think this is delicious. I, I again, this is in a category that I'm a fan of already, uh, being a, a, a sort of a juicy IPA. Do they call this? They call it an India Pale Ale with pineapple. Yeah, it looks like a hazy IPA. It does. It it's got, and a lot of the IPAs that Anchorage does are hazies. So uh, I'm going to give props. They have art by Wolf Skull Jack on here. So whoever mm -hmm. Wolf Skull Jack is, that's a pretty badass. Piece I of bet art. if we Googled him, we'd find some pretty I cool stuff would. on the on the web. That uh, well, I think it's I think it's spectacular, Ian. This is India Pale Ale with pineapple, DHH with Strata and Sabro, six point four percent. Now, to the best of my knowledge, uh, almost all of the Anchorage beers that we've had on this show have been their limited releases, and they do yeah. they do they do new IPAs all the time. And so I'm guessing that this is one that you may have to hop on immediately to try to find. This is, this one's interesting. I like it enough. This wouldn't be my first go-to choice. Uh, but if you like big pineapple, big hazy, and you like it to be the consistency of of um, orange juice, like mm -hmm. high pulp orange juice, then I, you're going to love this yeah, beer. This is right kind of in the pocket for me. This is right where I like my IPAs to go is with this kind of taste and flavor. Not it's not the only kind that I like, but yep. this is kind of a favorite spot for me. Yeah. And I, I, I dig it. This is definitely a taste that keeps on tasting. Mm-hmm. Like, it mm -hmm. doesn't go away in your mouth for a while. You're right about that. We're going to be tasting this for a while. I tell you what, in uh, the next segment, then, we will change up. And instead of tasting a... Uh, 
uh, a beer, we will taste some gin, and I'm excited about that. So uh, artisanal gin from uh, Dripping Springs in our next segment. Plus, uh, it very soon will be time for drinking news, and in our next segment, uh, we have to talk about it. We have to talk about the Chicago cigar store that's gone political and why I think it's a terrible idea. We'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. It is uh, smoking and toasting. <clears throat> we are so thrilled that you have joined us for this little uh, podcast, video cast, and uh, ongoing extravaganza uh, that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. We are brought to you by mycigarshirts.com. Uh, check them out on the web. They are a sponsor of the show, and we love them. And they are uh, uh, offering some really cool products at really decent prices. Yeah, you ever go on one of those t-shirt sites and you're like, oh, I love that shirt. Let me. I'm thinking about getting one of the. Oh. It's $39. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're not that way. Uh, shirts start at under 20 bucks, And they're super comfy cotton. Yeah, and I don't mind paying more for, like, a, a, a sweatshirt or something. But mm-hmm. when you go into the T-shirt and it's like, eh, that, that, that doesn't work. <laughs> so, uh, well, so you gotta be, you got to be afraid of T-shirts that are $9. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to wash them a few times. They're going to get yes. weird. Oh, I agree. I agree. Most of the time. Uh, in my career, I worked for a number of radio stations, and we would buy the giveaway T-shirts, you know, to hand out the, the ones that logo go, on. go through the T-shirt gun. Yeah, exactly. You hand them out with your logo on them. Those T-shirts are good for exactly three washes, and then they're dead. <laughs> they're absolutely dead. Uh, but these guys are not like that. They've got uh, high-quality stuff, soft cotton, and uh, and great snarky cigar sayings on them, too, which is kind of fun. I love that. Yeah. Um, so welcome back to the show. Ian, I, I I want to. I want to talk about something here. Uh, I, I saw an article that really disturbed me this week, and you know, I'm this gonna, has um, been. I'm going to pour some vodka pour? Yes. while you're talking about that. Actually, so let me you pour some gin. Uh, sorry, gin. It says <laughs> Dripping Springs. I'm I not know. used to well, that. See, this is exactly what happened to my wife when she bought it. She thought she was buying a bottle of Dripping Springs vodka, and it turns out it's artisanal gin. So we'll get to that. This has been an incredibly political week in the United States of America. In fact, the last year has been an incredibly political year. We got a, a glimpse of how divided the country is and, and what what people are, how seriously people are taking their own points of view. And we've always tried on this show to not get into the political thing at all. And there's a reason for that. I mean, I have some very strong political opinions, and I'm sure that you I do too. I can smell them from here. Yeah, but I don't think that a, a show that's about cigars and spirits, I don't think that's what this show is about. I don't think it's why people no, come if, to this if show. You wanna, people if don't you care hear what I think about politics. If you want to hear political opinions, there's tons of shows that are exactly, out there for that. Exactly. And, and they'll do a much better job of expressing whatever even, viewpoint that is than I would. We even talked about it. We don't necessarily run away from political opinions, but but it's just not a subject for the show. It's not, it's not something that this show is designed for. So when I saw that there's a, um, a business owner in Elmhurst, Illinois, a suburb, a suburb of Chicago, <clears throat> has now put up a sign on his cigar store, and it says, "Biden voters keep out." Now, 
I'm not going to comment as to the politics of it. It could just as easily have been a sign that said Trump voters keep out. I would have the same issue with it. And here's my issue. One of the, I, I almost want to use the word sacred, one of the sacred things I want to say about going to a yeah. cigar store and a cigar lounge. I know where this is going. Is being able to sit in that room with other guys who are smoking cigars who have completely different jobs, viewpoints on life, political of views. any of those things. But, but, you know, but you know what they all enjoy? They all enjoy cigars. And there's a, a, a again, I don't want to use too loaded a word. There's a brotherhood of that. When I'm sitting at, you know, Allen's shop down in Galveston or at, um, you know, Casa de Monte Cristo or when I've been in some of the fine cigar shops and lounges I've been able to visit across the country, I, I'm not there to talk politics with people. I'm there to, like, kind of connect with them. And we're all going to have different opinions. Yep. I bet if you went into Casa de Monte Cristo right now and did a little straw poll— it would the people who are sitting there smoking cigars would be evenly divided in which political party they are supportive of. None of that is stopping them from enjoying hanging out with each other and talking and chatting and talking about cigars and talking about sports and whatever else yeah. that they may have in common. It isn't about that. So that's why I have a problem with this cigar store in uh, in Chicago. Let, let me it's be the honest. Elmhurst Cigar Cigar House. Let me be honest. Um no matter what side of the fence that's on, that's a cigar short store that I would stop going to. Right. Like no me matter. personally, I'm not. I'm not recommending anyone else. Like you do what you got to do. But to me, that's offensive in a way. Uh, in a way that, uh, you know, you're allowed to have. And this guy's allowed to do that. Yeah, you're allowed I, to I was going to say. I do you support his right to and say. I'm not, I'm not pandering here. Yeah. I am just telling you that. If you're going to come out and be the guy that excludes someone because they don't think like you, right? And especially at a cigar shop, exactly. Then I don't want to be the guy that hangs out at that shop. And I don't. And I don't want to put money in your pocket, even if the candidate you support is the one I support. Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I, I I'm not a fan of Biden, but I still wouldn't go to that shop. Well, because that to me, of course, I'm not really a fan of Trump either. But well, see, was, <laughs> so so but, here's the thing. Uh, I'm less of a fan of Biden overall, policy-wise, but that's that just is so. It's it just hits me in the wrong spot, no matter what kind of political side you have. And see, I'm on the other side of that coin, but my reaction to it is exactly yeah, the same as yours. It, and it would be exactly the same if his sign said "Trump voters." Keep I'm going to say it. It's icky. It's icky. I think it's asinine. It's, it's, yeah. I, I think because it it goes against this brotherhood. That I mentioned that cigar lovers seem to be able to have. To me, that's one of the things about it that's magical. We've talked about that on the show before. Yeah. You know, it's not when you're when you're enjoying a cigar with someone. It's not about all that other stuff. It's not about all that nonsense that keeps people separated. It's about you just enjoying being able to hang out and enjoy this cigar with someone. And to me, that is what. The cigar lounge is built on. I mean, are you going to be the guy who who fires up a cigar and someone else has a cigar next to you and you go, "Hey, man, uh, before I ask you what cigar you're smoking, because I'm curious, because I'm also a cigar smoker and I like to chat about cigars, uh, what political party are you affiliated with?" <laughs> right. I didn't think how stupid that is. 
So uh, that's it's just wrong. It's and like I said, it's icky. It's weird. So I will not. I won't be a part of it. I will not be uh, smoking anytime soon or non soon at the Elmhurst Cigar House in Chicago because I think I think there's so few areas where we can be inclusive now. Let's let's keep yes. cigars as a part of that. Yeah. Let's 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 stop driving that wedge. Yeah. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. All right. It's time to talk gin, Ian. Have you tried it? I have not. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit here and say inane things while you I try was, this gin. I was enjoying more of the uh, Chomp the Wicked and, and well, hadn't tried the gin. Let yet. me tell you something. In the way that you enjoyed Chomp the Wicked, mm-hmm. this actually shares a lot of those flavors. Interesting. And it is incredibly delicious in the way that Dripping Springs vodka is. It's got a little. Interesting. It's got a little inherent sweetness Ooh. to it. I love it on the nose. That we're drinking this, we're drinking this gin neat right now, mm-hmm. and it's got this inherent sweetness and fruitiness. Wow, and tanginess. Wow, yes. So I'm going to tell you that is one of the best gins I've ever had neat. This it's, is not your your traditional like super juniper forward right. gin. This is not Tangeray. Right, and it's um, not. It's not Hendrix. It's right. not um, as much as and I it's like, not trying to be. As much as I like Hendrix Gin for what it is, and as delicious as those flavors are, this to me is. I, I don't know. It's a little more palatable, maybe. This uh, is a little it, fruit cocktail straight. of a yes. gin. It's it's more fruity, more fruit, it less has, juniper. It has that that little pine coney, mm-hmm. junipery thing. Oh yeah, it is a gin. There's no question about that. It has that gin thing going on. You know, it's funny. Yeah. Because I like gin. I know you do. And I like gin to make a martini out of. Right. Well, which you've, you've mentioned this. In a lot of respects, is just a big shot of gin, and that's okay. Right. So Maybe it happens. With some... oh, 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 oh. You have a chilled shaker there, my friend. That I happen to have. Yeah. What it takes. And you have ice. I can hear it. To make a martini. Oh, dude. Right here. It's not in my pocket. <laughs> it's in my cooler next to me. It would be that weird is, in my pocket. It would be a little That melty. is awesome, actually. You may be wondering to yourself, do you always walk around with a uh, martini kit? I just asked myself, uh, Cruz, does Ian always walk around with a martini kit? Let me tell you something about yeah. it. You're never going to be sad if you're walking around with a martini kit. <laughs> but don't keep the ice in your pocket because that gets awkward. Yeah, yes, it does. Um, so this is very interesting. Um, I like this gin a lot. And gin is not, you know, my first or second or third favorite spirit. It's it's one that um, I think is, is a little more of an acquired taste. At least I look at it that way. Um, but... This is this is quite good. Now, are you going to shake or stir? We're going to shake. Okay. <laughs> I remember when we were doing the shows um, on the um, on Skype at the beginning of the pandemic. I remember you sitting at your house shaking up martinis, and I thought he's just having way more fun. Oh than yeah, I we're am. Get, this we're is not. This this is I not have a job for you. You brought olives, my man. Well, you can't have a proper martini kit. Yeah. Without a little bit of olives. We're going to dirty this up just a touch. So this is interesting to me because you put your olive juice in the 
the glass, or in our case, you, the cup. Would you spear rather than, an rather olive than on each one of those, please, and just it. set it in the cups? Because this is going to take a little bit of doing to make sure that this martini is in proper martini. Thing. Now, I don't have that perfect round agitation thing that Chris has, Chris <laughs> Morris. He has, he, his is like a science. Well, you know, you, you may remember Chris. Chris was the guy who told us that James Bond ruined martinis for people because they, they all did shaking right. instead of stirred, and he is a fan of stirred. And I have since gone to stirring my vodka martinis, yes. and I feel like it makes them better. Yes, I agree. So guess what we're going to do after we try this shaken martini? What? We're going to try a stirred one. <laughs> See how frosty See, that's getting right now? I that's thought, when you know you're getting where you need to go. When you I the, thought there were some extra olives floating in here. When you get the frost on the glass yeah. or on the uh, mixer... Which is way cooler than frost on the pumpkin. Yes. I don't know why I even said that. It's 70 degrees. Your mom always said that when, uh, when it was, you know, like a little frost bit. Frost on the pumpkin? Dew out there. Yep, and, uh, yep. All right. Ian, that looks, yeah, that looks absolutely delicious, I have to tell you. It just keeps coming out of there. All right. I've already passed this yeah, one. Yeah, pass it on. Uh, to All right. Adam, so here we go. All right. So now the difference in this from when we had it neat other than a little bit of olive juice and the olive, is going to be how much colder this is. Yes. Right? And it, it and there's some got dilution. a little water dif yeah, dilution, dilution in there. Yeah, sure. So, oh, it smells great. Mm. That might be one of my absolute favorite martinis right that now. That is so drinkable, Ian. Right now. So Like favorite drinkable. martinis. Wow. Dripping springs. Good job. Wow. Now, uh, this... This lets me know we've got to have those people on the show. Yes. They're, they're not, you know, that many hours away from us. Maybe we can convince them to come in and, and uh, you know, talk to us about, you know, why their vodka is so good, first of all. Because think about how hard it is. Let's talk about their vodka for a minute. Think about how hard it is to stand out in the vodka field right now. I mean, yeah. Tito's came along, and I love Tito's vodka. Tito's came along at a point in time when there were not... A lot of what you would consider to be craft vodkas out there, and they kind of became the, if you weren't going to buy one of the more traditional brands, Tito's was kind of the cooler thing to buy, and, and the vodka was very good. But by the time Dripping Springs came onto the scene, there were craft vodkas everywhere. Yes. So how do you stand out they make in that world, right? damn good. Yeah. Vodkas, and it's hard because a lot of the uh, a lot of the distilleries in general are making the um, making the vodka and the gin to start off with because you can't make aged whiskey right to start with. We right. should so probably, they, they we open should probably up with... when we come back in our next segment try this one. Okay, we'll do that, and uh, also in our next segment, I think we have uh, one more beer to try too. And oh, that we can make that happen. The, that is the Lil Jafria Fat Elvis. Yeah, we got some time in this segment, Ian, if you want to go. There. Oh, I thought our uh, clock was running. I, I don't know. Either that or I didn't start my. Did, did that one restart? I'm showing 14. 14. Okay. So oh, we got time. We got time. Let's, okay, let's, so I'm working off the wrong clock. Let's do this bad boy. So we're going to do this. So the notes mm -hmm. on this, this, it has a sweetness. The dripping spring sweetness is and, so good. And this softens the juniper even more. Yeah. But you still get a it little bit of that citrusiness. Yeah. yeah. Is citrusiness a word? Citrusiness is a word now. It's a word we now. We have just made it. 
a uh, word. So I'm much making more fun it is the to same say martini, teams. but this is a stirred martini, not stirred it. Mm-hmm. So I'm for, very curious for what I think is difference. a Chris Morris appropriate amount of time. Mm-hmm. Now I will say this: it doesn't look as hazy. It looks a little more clear. No, it's much more clear, and you notice it comes out uh, a little slower even because right. it's not as diluted either. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be interesting to me to see if I can. And my taste formula on both of these difference. is a touch of olive juice in the glass, one olive in each one. You can do more olives, obviously, if you're doing more gin. So, here's my first reaction: is that the stirred is a little more flavorful. Yeah. And the um, the shaking is a little more smooth. In other words, you could yeah. almost like gulp it down. Yeah. Um, the stirred is a little more. I want to sip it a little more. Hmm. Hmm. Ian, that's spectacular. So the uh, the 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 shaken martini, where it's a little more. Um, a little more of the water is melted. It's a little more diluted. Uh, it's very cold. Mm-hmm. And cold always um, always represses and hides some of the warmer and rounder flavors. Correct. So when I drink this, it tastes a little more juniper, a little more of that pine mm-hmm. coney kind mm-hmm. of thing mm-hmm. that you get. And there's still a little sweetness to it, but this has a bigger, rounder mouthfeel, and all that sweetness and flavor and the fruitiness comes through on it. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Now, I, I know I take you know a lot of crap from you about this, but I am generally a vodka martini person. Mm-hmm. I simply like the taste. And I like dirty martinis. I like them very dirty. And uh, I, I only just, made these medium dirty. Yeah, yeah these are about medium dirty. Um, but I just simply like the taste better. Now, vodka, as we know, is... Neutral. Yeah, it's neutral. Very it's neutral. got almost no taste to it at all, just a little bit. And this is the first time I've had a gin martini that I would put, being a vodka martini guy, on the same. Like, I like this just as much as a vodka martini. Normally, when I have a gin martini, I'll be like, yeah, that's good, but I like the vodka martini better. Let's me taste the olive juice a little better. I don't have to deal with juniper. And, and again, juniper's not a bad thing. It's just if you're in the mood for it. Is that, yeah. that's, that's how it is with me. Um, but as a guy that likes gin, that prefers gin martinis, you are also loving this. Well, let me explain. So since uh, Chris came on the show and showed us the difference between the shake and the stirred, mm-hmm. I have actually moved towards stirred I have with martinis. my vodka martinis as well. Um, I still enjoy a shaken martini. It's fine. It's mm-hmm. good. It's nice. Uh, and this martini in particular. But I will tell you that um, if I'm going to do vodka, I think I like the shaken. Mm-hmm. And I like it dirty. I like it so dirty that it looks like bilge water. <laughs> you know? I had, a, I had a friend when I lived in Philadelphia that his wife loved dirty martinis. And when we would go out for drinks, she would always say to the bartender, I want a vodka martini so dirty that there's still lipstick on the glass. That was her saying. <laughs> Make it nasty. Yeah, she right. wants a filthy, um, dirty martini. And the reason I went with this, and 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 I did both of these in a not so dirty way. I just did a splash of the uh, olive juice. Just just didn't make it that dirty, mm-hmm. medium dirty, is because I really wanted to taste more of the vodka or not vodka, but the gin in this. Right. And I didn't want to mask it too much. Now this right here, especially, you taste even more of the olive and the dirtiness in it. Versus the cold one, because again, that that olive juice, that warm olive flavor 
doesn't cut through as much when it's that cold and that diluted. This didn't get quite as cold, didn't right. get quite as diluted, you so a, you're getting more the, of those rounder. The flavors are a little more full. And it feels to me like the flavors blended better in here. Mm -hmm. I would agree. I would agree. Well, fascinating stuff. I have also found that I'm enjoying my martinis made with vodka more since I've started stirring them. So thanks again to Chris Morris for setting us on the right path there. Uh, although, like you said, I still enjoy a shaken martini yeah. every once in a while. Yeah. Uh, it's I'm, I'm not going to say no. Okay, so quick James Bond question since we're on the uh, since we are on the um, subject of uh, shaken, not stirred. Ooh, nice. Um, weigh in on the current James Bond. Do you like him, Daniel Craig? Do you like him as James Bond or because? There was a, a mixed reaction at first, but I'll, I'll go ahead and Daniel tell you. Daniel Craig, I think, is awesome. I, I love him as James Bond. I, I think, think he's, he's awesome. Great. I think, so I have some mixed feelings about some of the James Bond. Uh, Pierce Brosnan um, I, I, looked perfect. I thought Pierce Brosnan they made a him, great James Bond, and the scripts were terrible. They gave him terrible scripts. Yes, like yes. They just took all the James Bond out of him. Uh, and, and I had an issue with that. Um, I, I love uh, Sean Connery. Of course. Roger Moore. Yeah. Then there was that one guy that was in the one. Timothy uh, Dalton. Not good. Yeah, yeah, I not agree. Not a good James so Bond. So the first Bond movies I saw, just because of how old I was when I started being able to see movies, it was Roger Moore. Mm -hmm. So Roger Moore was kind of like James Bond to like me. Like you got that. And yeah, then yeah. when I was able to go back and watch some of the Sean Connery stuff, I was like, okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was awesome. But I like Daniel Craig. Now, the current you know, stuff on the internet is suggesting that Idris Alba could be the next James Bond. That'd be interesting. I like I that would, guy. I would love that. I, I mean, he's, he's so he's charismatic. A great, yeah, yeah. He's a great actor. He's so suave and smooth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I'm kind of hoping and, that's And the you way know what? Go. It's okay that they have updated and made it feel different. Yes. You know, and Daniel Craig is a different James Bond than but, any of them because he's, okay, he's, because he's also in a different time. So look at that. We agree on this. How how, how crazy is that? Weird. We actually agree. <laughs> All right. Well, cheers. Thank you for making these and thank you for traveling with a uh, martini kit. Well, you don't? Uh, no, and I just is, thought I pulled mine out before you pulled yours this out. This is something I've got to address. This is uh, <laughs> this is a thing. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to be back. We have one more uh, beer to try, and guess what, kids? Next segment, it's time for drinking news. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. In the next segment, we'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. This is Smoking and Toasting. Uh, we are the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and uh, hand-rolled cigars. I say, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, I watched a great old movie. My wife always tries to get me to watch old movies. I, I, I've never been a huge fan of older movies, and she loves them. So she keeps like trying to introduce me to like really good ones to, oh, yeah. to win me over. And uh, she had me watch a movie called 12 Angry Men. Oh, dude. I remember that. It was incredible. It was incredible. It's a black and white movie. Uh, it's got some amazing people in it. But the dialogue, the storytelling, anyway, there's your recommendation for the week. Go watch 12 Angry Men. Totally I do remember that, worth yeah. your hour and 45. It's basically about the guys on a jury. 
mm-hmm. and they get you know sent into the jury room to decide whether somebody's guilty or not man it's got it it's like it's like this movie that was made all those years ago that feels like it was made yesterday based on what's happening in, mm-hmm. the, in, in the room and stuff. Great stuff. I don't know why I went there, but I think it's because I said, ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Uh, sorry, it's the gin talking. Uh, welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. We are the uh, program that's all uh, about cigars of the year this week and apparently gin martinis. So uh, thank you, Ian, for Man. being Mr. Gin Martini. You know what I hated about that martini? What's that? Nothing. <laughs> I totally. I don't know about you, but I drank all of my stirred one already. So. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm uh, working on the shaken one now. So you know uh, when you take the uh, when you take the uh, uh, toothpick out of the olive, the olive becomes the prize at the end of the drink. I like looking at it that way. Yeah. It's like, kind of like in Cracker Jacks. Except, That's right. You get to the get the prize early. <laughs> you get to the bottom of the drink. You're like, oh. <laughs> we are brought to you by mycigarshirts.com. Check them out on the web. It's mycigarshirts.com. Because cigars, cigars, yes. Um, Ian, I think it's yes. about that time. Time for what, sir? It's time for drinking news. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. So grab a cup while we gather round. Saddle up while we drink them down. Got a story and I swear it's true. So now it's time for drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. A Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. I asked about his absent arm. He said, uh, I had to take my gator to the vet. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. Was that Uncle Otis? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that that sounded my, like him. That was my buddy Steve. Oh, yeah. awesome. Yeah. So uh, so just a reminder for you, uh, especially if you're new to the program, that drinking news is not necessarily always stories about drinking, although sometimes, uh, but it is always stories that are probably most enjoyable to hear when you are drinking. Uh, all right. To preface this, um, yeah. uh, Bruce has a comment about martinis. He says- yes. They're, they're kind of like women's breasts. One is not quite enough. And three is one too many. One too many. <laughs> but two is just perfect. That's, that's, a, that's a good... Uh, and we've had two. So look, we're right in the, <laughs> we're right in the zone. Thank you, Bruce. Uh, Ian, I know you love hearing these words when it comes to drinking news. A Florida man. Ah! <laughs> drinking news. Drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. It really is better if you're drinking when you hear. <laughs> a Florida man admittedly had, quote, maybe a little too much to drink when caught on a dash camera riding a lawnmower on the highway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's according to the Marion County Sheriff's Office in Florida. Deputies say they caught Paul Burke of Fort McCoy, Florida, driving the riding lawnmower in the middle of Highway 316 uh, earlier this uh, this month. Video provided by the department by the department <laughs> shows Burke slurring his words and admitting that he had been drinking, although he never actually quantifies exactly how much he had. First, he says he had a couple, but when asked again by the deputy, he replies, 
I'm not going to lie to you and later says, I have had maybe a little too much to drink tonight. The best part, though, they ask him where he was going. Where was he and he going? said he was going to, he was going home. And they said, where are you coming from? And he said, home. <laughs> so I'm going to go along with the fact that, yeah, he probably, and I don't know, Adam, have we got the photo up? This is the photo from uh, Mr. Burke. Oh, brilliant. He wanted to know if he could just be issued a ticket and be on his way, uh, but they wanted him to do these exercises like walking in a straight line and, and sobriety uh, test exercises. And he said, no, sir, just take me to jail. He was arrested on a DUI uh, charge. See, now, what he should have said is, sir, if I could walk, I wouldn't be driving a lawnmower. So it reminds me of a story <laughs> that I was told uh, by somebody who has <laughs> been involved in the country music scene for a long time and told me about the story of um, the late George Jones, the country music singer, uh -huh. uh, who had, during his lifetime, uh, a, a pretty long and protracted battle with alcohol yes uh and it's pretty well documented and george jones and tammy wynette the first lady of country music mm -hmm. were married for many years and during this one stretch of time that this story takes place a true story um tammy has told this story tammy wynette has told the story about uh, trying to help george dry out and so one of the things they did is they they lived in this house that was uh, out in the country and uh, I believe it was, by the way, in Florida. Nice. Uh, and uh, they took all the alcohol out of the house. And Tammy had to leave to go on tour. And um, so they decided that they would take all of the vehicles away from the house so that George would not be able to get into, get into a car and drive to a <laughs> bar or a liquor store so that he would finish drying out. And apparently... Uh, when Tammy landed where whatever city she was about to play a concert in and called whoever their assistant was, uh, they reported that they'd gone into the house and George was missing, and he was found later uh, riding a riding lawnmower back from the bar where he had spent most of the day. So apparently a, a true story. The oh, late George, man. country legend, the George late George Jones. Jones. Man. And here's what a badass, Here's though. to you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that... He's, so this guy Burke is not the first to uh, to use the riding lawnmower for transportation. He's just the latest. He's just the latest. And you know this uh, this shaken martini that I made. Yeah, that's only slightly dirty. Yeah. Once it warms up, you get a lot of the fruity flavors right down the middle. Oh yeah, you really doesn't do. have the yeah. bigger mouth feel like the stirred martini had, mm -hmm. but you get a lot of those fruity flavors that are kind of bright. And I would say the stirred orange the and. The stirred, the more you drink it, the more you get the dirty martini part. You get mm -hmm. the olive juice, and it kind of comes out, and it's yeah. full, and it makes you say things like, I had to take my gator to the vet. <laughs> I don't know why I find that funny, but I do. Uh, so uh, so good stuff, man. Uh, I'm, I'm very impressed by this... Uh, by this uh, gin. So uh, I want to call out a few people here on uh, on the comments. Mm -hmm. Brian, Wiki Brian, Nick, Bruce, you guys need to uh, send me a copy of you saying I had to take my gator to the Oh, lab. totally. Yeah. So we can feature you. You can record. There's all kinds of apps. Oh, Liliana, too. Mm. Oh, I would love to have Liliana saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I had to take my gator to the vet. It would mm. be amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if we can't get you to sing the drinking news song, at least do that for us. <laughs> Just so record we can yourself saying you. it. Yeah, all you have to do is say, "I had to take my gator to the vet." Yes, nice and easy. 
Um, so, Ian, um, let's go ahead and try. I'm very curious about this stout. This is the Lil Jephoria Fat, Fat Elvis. Elvis Session Stout. Mm-hmm. Beer brewed with peanut butter, cacao nibs, bananas with lactose. So, in case anyone doesn't know, and there might be some of the younger generation uh, that that don't know, Elvis, especially during his Fat Elvis phase, was known for having a passion for two foods. One was burnt bacon, which, yep. by the way, he's totally spot on there because bacon is best when it's crispy and uh, you know. I used to fry bacon on the stove. Mm-hmm. Now I put it in the oven. Mm. My wife showed me the way to do this. You put it in the oven. Crisp it up. And you make it. And it's flat and crispy and amazing. I love that. Yeah. love that. Um, Elvis was known for loving burnt bacon. And he was known for loving peanut butter and banana sandwiches. So that's where the fat Elvis comes from in this, uh, in, in this uh, can title. Because... It's got peanut butter and banana in it. And what else? Cacao nibs? Cacao nibs with lactose. Okay. We got enough cups. You need some more? I think we're going to need a couple cups. Okay. I uh, will grab them. Unless you want me to go ahead and pour this uh, stout into your... I don't know if that would be the best. You know, this is, you know, from time to time... Do you think time, the dirty martini might interrupt time, the flavor slightly? <laughs> from time to time here on the show, we'll have our a spirit, which we usually do second to last... And then whatever our biggest beer is, which is often a stout or a porter or something like that. And and we'll kind of go back and forth to see how they influence each other. Not sure that's going to happen today. I don't today. think these are going to work that way, no. <laughs> no I, I, really, I really don't think so. But I am excited about trying this beer. This smells like uh, almost like graham cracker, too. Oh, really? Graham cracker and banana. Oh, I'm getting banana smoothie here. That's what I'm getting on the nose. I, I, I got where you're coming from on the graham cracker, though. Yeah, there's a little graham crackerish thing going on in there. Mm-hmm. I'm digging it. Oh man. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, yeah, the chocolatey cacao. Oh yeah, there's a lot of chocolate in here. So. Mm. Oh, their choice for the nitro bubbles was perfect. This is really good. This is nitro bubbles. It is total peanut butter and banana. Like Fat Elvis is the perfect name for this beer. Either that or it's just very low carbonation. It's hard to tell. Now, I had a banana chocolate stout recently, and it was not nearly this good. They really pegged it here. I am loving the bitter. Mm-hmm. The bitter chocolate? It's, it's, it's bitter chocolate, but it's almost more like a burnt crust. Mm-hmm. Slightly burnt crust, uh, pie crust on the finish. I love it. The banana is pretty awesome. It really is. This is just one of those things where, you know, there's so many things that could have gone wrong with this beer, and none of them did. Yeah, it's like it's it's like the sugar in the crust just caramelized, and then made the curry. Have you ever had a, a pie crust that has been slightly overdone, but mm-hmm. just just, just right? tiny tiny bit? Yes. There's also let me let me tell you this okay mm-hmm. take a sip and then do the retro hail where you breathe gently out of your nose Ooh! and i'm going to tell you right now slightly stale nilla wafers <laughs> which yeah. is the best way to which have is the nilla best wafer. nilla wafers yeah yes. yeah for sure <laughs> for sure oh wow uh that's really good <laughs> mm. 
I got to do that again. This this beer is fun. Like it, that's a great way to say it, Ian. It, it is a fun beer. It, it's a weird descriptor for a beer, but it's it's and, fun. It's, and let's face it, Fat Elvis was fun too. You know, the, I'm pretty sure that this is going to be a bad choice, but I'm going to try my martini. Right okay, now. go for it. And let me know. Oh, oh, that's not working, is it? No, those <laughs> those are. That's like These that's like complimentary orange, flavors. That's like orange juice and toothpaste right oh, there. Oh well, like that's that's, bad. <laughs> that's really bad. Uh, okay. What did I just do to my palate? <laughs> that's okay. I have a little shiner back here to swill it out. Yeah, I was gonna say that'd be a good palate cleanser. I think. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I. You know, in a in a hey man. I think this milk is bad kind of way. You should try that. <laughs> but uh, it's not good. It's just really, really bad. <laughs> um, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little list here while we're enjoying the Fat Elvis. Uh, this list, and we've been promising this for a couple of weeks, and I'm just now getting to it. This list is the uh, Brewers picking their five favorites for 2020. Um, game recognizes game is what the article says. Nice. Uh, here's here we've asked five respected brewers for a favorite beer they drank this year while off the clock. The year being 2020. So we start with Matt uh, Matt Tarpey, who's the co-founder and head brewer at the Vale Brewing in Richmond, Virginia. I don't think I've had any be- beers from the Vale. Have nope, you? never had. Right. Uh, Matt says one of the many great beers I've had this year has to be. Russian River Pliny for President. I've always been a huge fan of Pliny the Elder and Russian River, and this double dry hopped version was amazing. Super in your face hop aromatics with a lovely resiny finish. Notable mention Allagash White is still a crusher, he says. Allagash White's always good. Yeah, that's, that's always been good. Uh, so we don't get Russian River beers here no. in Texas, and I would just. Makes me sad. I, I'm now pleading to anyone who is in an area. Where you can get that, if you will send us Pliny the Elder, Pliny for President, any of those things, we will reciprocate with some awesome Texas. We'll overcompensate. Beers. Yeah, yeah, you'll you'll be glad you did. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right, um, Marcus Baskerville is the co-founder and head brewer at Weathered Souls Brewing in San Antonio. They uh, made quite a bit of year uh, of news this year. I'm making everything you say into a blues song. I like that. Uh, Perennial Maman is by far my favorite stout, Marcus says. Uh, It's from Perennial Artisanal Ales. Uh, He says, drinking it this year was an experience. I haven't forgotten aspects of baker's chocolate and dark chocolate fudge hit the palate, followed by mild bourbon booziness. This sounds like an Ian beer to me. Everything I love is right there, a burst of oak barrel. Tight and warming bourbon, deep fudge, and slightly sweet toffee hiding in the middle. The viscosity and complexity of the beer are unmatched. And anytime I can get a pour of any iteration of this beer, I do so. Marcus Baskerville uh, from San Antonio and Weathered Souls, uh, praising perennial artisan ales, Maman, M-A-M-A-N. The... Uh, Beerstadt Lager House in Denver, Colorado. The head brewer there is Ashley Carter. Ashley says, anybody who knows me well knows I tend to shy away from Keller Lager. I find a lot of it to be rough and generally unfinished tasting. Not this beer, so. Not this beer, though. Uh, Chris 
absolutely nailed it. He's talking about Green Bench Culture Chronicles, Volume 2, Keller Pills. I'm sorry. I need you to say that four more times. I'll give you one more. <laughs> Green Bench Culture with a K, Chronicles with a K, Volume 2, Keller with a K, Pills. Uh, he says it's unfiltered but still bright, dry and snappy with hops in the right spot. Fine quality of bitterness that makes you want to take another drink. And it's uh, not too grassy or harsh to distract from the subtle malt character. I love hearing brewmasters talk about yeah. other brewmasters' beers. Very cool. Uh, Chris Johnson is the founding brewer and co-owner of Green Bench Brewing in St. Petersburg, Florida. He is a, fa a fan of... Odd Breed Wild Ales, Past and Future. Oh, nice. Past and Future, he says, has an intricate intricate design rooted in complex intention by founder and brewer Matt Manthe. He begins with a simple base, consciously brewed for lasting effect, and after a rest in French oak punchins on a mixed culture nearly a decade in the making, he creates a beer that weaves leather and hay, bright stone fruit, and delicate oak tannin, with a perfectly refreshing and developed citrus acidity that makes you want another sip even before you've finished the first. Holy Toledo. Yeah. Doesn't that sound like, like, uh, like I've always been in awe of the people who write uh, the menu at like kind of uh, up, upper, upper scale restaurants. Yeah. Because they'll, they'll, they will make a slice of bread with a piece of beef on it sound amazing yes. the way they you know it's artisanal bread cooked in you know i don't even want to try to mm -hmm. emulate them but you know what i'm talking about it's that's kind of what it sounded like when he was describing this beer uh <laughs> to me so uh finally uh tim uh siasha the co-founder and director of brewing and blending at cellar making brewing in san francisco uh is a fan of faction brewing's pinsky file pale ale so it's about a about a year ago, I took home a four-pack of Pinsky. To this day, I still can't figure out how Roger Davis fits so much flavor and aroma into the slim 5.8% package of this West Coast Pale Ale. That sounds awesome. It is saturated. He says, one sip of Pinsky file and the Lapulin Pleasure center of your noggin goes haywire. <laughs> I have that. The Lapulin Pleasure center of my brain, I have that. And it's an awesome thing to... To have it activated. It's really cool. Uh, maybe that's why Faction does so well. Uh, so there are, and again, I wasn't expecting these to be beers we'd heard of. And that's what I kind of liked about the list, yes. is it was a really, really cool uh, list of things we've never tried. And I will be looking for and attempting to try if we possibly can. So... There's a few on that list that sound so delicious. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it, that's what's so amazing about the craft beer scene right now. And it will be so sad if some of these breweries have to shut down. So one of the fun things I find uh, when you meet the brewmeisters and the people that own breweries is they are so unpretentious about beers they like. Oh, yeah. They are so unpretentious about other breweries, and they're so supportive mm -hmm. about breweries around them. If you find two breweries and they're a mile apart, those guys support each other. Right, and and they encourage each other. Yes, it's, it's a it's really amazing. cool thing. And I love seeing that, and I love <clears throat> seeing how brewers have, you know, kind of embraced each other during the pandemic and, and tried to keep tried to help keep each yeah. other going. It's a good thing for all of us if most of it survives. 
It really is, especially for people who want to taste a beer like this from Elvis. That's really really outstanding, isn't it? It's just so. It's almost. It's almost like a milkshake. It's so creamy and delicious. In case you're wondering, does not go well with olives. (laughs) (laughs) I think we probably established that. So, all right, we are going to take a break. We'll be back for our final segment. Uh, Thank you guys for being here for uh, such a, a landmark edition. Of the show. It's Smoking and Toasting, uh, episode number 217, Ian. Can you believe it? Nobody stopped us yet. Oh, you just made somebody mad out there in comment land. <laughs> One day I'll look up comments. That'll be after we stop doing the show. Right. <laughs> I'm an old gray man. And I know Welcome back. It is smoking and toasting. We want to thank you guys for uh, being here for the show this week. We certainly have had a good time. Not, you know, not in a small way because of the uh, of the martinis that Ian mixed. Holy cow, Ian! These were really good. I mean, I'm, seriously. <laughs> yeah, they're fun. Yeah. They really well, are. I mean, that's that's why you carry martini kits wherever you go. Apparently, you never know when you're going to run into gin. You never know when you're going to need them. Yeah. You know, sometimes so, gin happens. Apparently it did today, and we're all the richer for it. So uh, big recommendations for uh, Fat Elvis, the Jeforia Fat Elvis. Man. And, and big recommendations for the Dry Hopped American Pilsner, and big recommendations, of course, for uh, the Dripping Springs Artisanal Gin. Uh, Ian, I really like the uh, the website, liquor.com. They have some great articles, some great stuff that I love to go back and read in my spare time. If oh, I'm, they're fun. If I'm not thirsty, I can just go to liquor.com and start reading, and then I get thirsty. Yes. Um, uh, they had an interesting article that I wanted to just pass along. Seven trends that defined how we drank in 2020 as we do our sort of obligatory Ooh, I can't wait January to hear this. look back. Yeah, these are these are not going to surprise you. Uh, the number one trend was goodbye to the bar stool. I said, remember what it felt like to sit at your favorite bar and on an actual stool and face a real live bartender and and yeah, that that pretty much went away. And see actual people. people. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's it's a bummer. Uh, number two on their list is actually a an offshoot of that: the death of great bars. Yeah, uh, the world's um, fifty, uh, a number of the world's fifty best contenders from lists that they have. Uh, put out before on liquor.com have closed and many thousands of workers and owners have been thrown into financial How many of you are like me and you really enjoy going into bars that have been barely hanging on for the last 15 years? I know. I, I, I do. I love it. Yeah. I want to do whatever I can to support them. And it's the same with breweries and distilleries, by the way. It really is. Uh, if you're, if you're going to drink, there's no point in giving the grocery store a portion of the proceeds. If you can drive another couple of blocks and get your beers directly from the brewery. Mm-hmm. Just saying. <clears throat> Number three uh, on the list is to go drinks here to stay. Yeah. And uh, that's one thing that's been kind of cool about this is the ability to get to go drinks, which in many states were not allowed before. So it is a little weird, though, to get a bucket of beer and they're all open and then yeah. you take them home. Yeah, it is a little that's weird. That's a little bizarre. Yeah. And also a little Thanks illegal. Thanks to ABC. To, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, also a little weird to be driving with that, hoping you don't get stopped. Yeah, open because container. there's also like open container laws, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. Which I think are, uh, you know, I'm not even going to get into that. <laughs> All this time, though, Louisiana's sitting there laughing, going, 
we did this years ago. <laughs> yeah. You guys, you guys <laughs> are on. so far you guys behind. Are so far behind. Uh, number four, all hail the canned cocktail. Hard seltzer, uh, they say in this article, was a practice run for America's full embrace of canned cocktails. Uh, big brands, Jack Daniels, and uh, a number of others have uh, started putting out canned cocktails in earnest. So uh, how do you feel about that? Would you open a canned cocktail? Pour well, it we it? had, remember when we had canned, cocta- canned cocktails on the show? We had, um, ooh, what brand was it? It was it was that was in the early mm-hmm. the before time. That was probably in the first uh, the first uh, like You're remember seventy right, or sixty. We did, we 60-ish. did do some canned cocktails and they were quite good actually. Yeah, they were not bad. They were not bad. Um, some of the canned cocktails are okay. Some of them don't translate. But I will tell you that the uh, the hard seltzer. Uh, now I I don't have a lot of experience. I bought that multi pack of the ones from Shiner. Mm-hmm. I figured, you know what? I love Shiner. Shiner's yeah. a great company. I want to invest in them anyway. If I'm going to try hard seltzers, might as well try those. Right. They had four flavors, um, and don't even try to, don't even ask me which ones are which. Okay, two of the flavors were actually quite drinkable, and two of them were almost not. Like they're yeah. just gross. Yeah. Like ew, you know, bad taste in your mouth and everything. And I suspect that hard seltzers in general are kind of like that. Some people are going to like them. Some people aren't. Um, but canned cocktails, I think that's fine. My uh, my wife gets these ones called Slow and Low, and they're little uh, mm-hmm. they're little uh, um, old fashions in a can. Yeah, and they're actually not bad. Awesome. And so I think honestly, you know why not? Yeah. All right. Uh, simpler drinks for trying times is uh, one of their uh, one of their uh, points on this thing. They say this was not the year of the nine ingredient cocktail. No. Uh, people were making cocktails at home. People like myself that are not necessarily that good at it, so the simpler the better. But they said even in bars, uh, bars kind of streamlined, Negroni's Old Fashions, Margaritas, and Highballs kind of emerged as uh, easier drinks for them to make and handle without as large of a bar staff. So. Hey, some of my favorite cocktails have uh, two ingredients, a whiskey mm-hmm. and a glass. Yeah, oh, I like that. And, I like, and sometimes, I like that sometimes... Just one ingredient, yeah. and it's not the glass. <laughs> uh, number six on the list is Quarantini and the, the, home, quarantini. the home bartender. They say here in mid-March the word Quarantini felt depraved, like a craven attempt to offload booze onto a panicked public. But as Americans started to realize that bars in many areas would be closed for months and that they'd be stuck as, at home for just as long, the Quarantini, in all of its varied forms, became a liquid salve for a bitter Did spring. we make Quarantinis today? Well, I think we did. And they were delicious. They were good. Uh, their last one is the 0% ABV. Uh, they talk about this. Uh? Yeah, what is that all about? Uh, but they do say, <laughs> yeah. and I will agree with them, we've come a long way from O'Doul's, uh, baby. Uh, and that's true. Like, there are some actually drinkable um, alcohol-free beers now. There but, didn't, uh, there okay. really didn't used to be. <laughs> Hold on. Okay, so now I might be ignorant, and this might just be me. If you're drinking an alcohol-free beer, I figure you have a reason for it, Mm -hmm. Uh, which means, one, you'd like to fit in socially at a bar and not look like, you know, you're not drinking with your buddies. Two, you like to pee a lot. (laughs) Uh, Or you're working out a kidney stone, or sometimes you just want to flush your system. Um, I can't think of a third. Uh, Alcohol-free beers at home? I call that iced tea. Right, right. 
I think it's a good point. You don't need alcohol-free beers at home so much. I don't. I don't understand. But you know, maybe there's a maybe there's a fan base for it. Well, we'll have to find out. I have uh, often thought of us doing a uh, a zero alcohol blind taste test. I mean, there's Caliber and O'Doul's. No yeah. There's a, there's a bunch of them out there. There's better ones out there than those. There's uh, Michelob Ultra. There's um, <laughs> there's Bud Light. There's uh... well now, Ian. Remember when you really want your favorite beer. There's a Bud Light there. There's a Bud Light there. How freaking damn it! <laughs> That's what they left off of that was a damn it. Yeah, yeah, right. Damn it. Uh, well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for being a <laughs> Nick part. Nick Cook says I have Dr Pepper for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, thank you, folks, for being a part of the show today. This has been a fun one, uh, largely due to Ian's traveling martini kit. And uh, I want to thank you for being such a great bartender, sir. Chris Morris would be proud. Cheers, y'all. Have a great week, everybody. And uh, as Ian says, cheers, y'all. <laughs>